Hello and welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on the game-changing potential of creating human-centric workplaces. I'm your host, Angela Howard, and I'm thrilled to be welcoming back employee experience strategists Frank Laterza and Haley Cushman to the conversation. They're both leaders at Qualtrics, an experience management platform that brings together organizations' experience data. And I don't know about you all, but keeping up with employee experience and future of work trends feels like a full-time job these days. So I am so glad we were able to welcome Frank and Haley back to just break it all down for us. And if you all remember, we had Frank and Haley on around this time last year to review findings from the 2021 Qualtrics Employee Experience Trends Research Report. And now they're back with compiled trends for the 2022 year ahead from over 14,000 full-time employees across 27 countries and 22 industries. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to Humanly Possible. Uh, I am super excited to have uh, two of my favorite people back on the podcast. Uh, We actually had uh, Haley and Frank with us Around this time last year, I'm looking at the date. It was December 29th that we released the episode, 2020. And so if you all, I would definitely recommend you all going back to episode 10 uh, to review the trends from this year. And we've kind of started this new tradition uh, where we're going to have Frank and Haley on to tell us about the new employee and human experience trends in the coming year because they're changing rapidly. And so Haley and Frank are both uh, coming from Qualtrics, a human experience um, leader in the space. And so I will allow you both to introduce yourselves because I cannot do it justice. So Haley, let's start with you and then we'll go to Frank. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us again. This is becoming a really fun tradition that I hope we can continue to keep doing. So great to great to be here again. So as a quick reminder, so my name is Haley Cushman. I'm one of our employee experience solutions strategists, uh, strategists here at Qualtrics. I've been at Qualtrics about three and a half years. Um, I have a background in industrial organizational psychology, like both of you do as well. So it's always fun to be among fellow IOs. Um, mm-hmm. I worked in uh, I worked internally in HR before coming to Qualtrics in a few different ways, and so in employee analytics uh, as well as in kind of OD and leadership development. Love it. And um, I'm Frank Laterza. Really excited to be back again, Angela. And I can't believe you're at um, episode, what, 29 you said this is? 29? Yeah. 28? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's Thank that's super you. exciting. Um, but yeah, as Haley said, really looking forward to hopefully continuing this trend, you know, every year and, and joining you in December. Uh, and, you know, as Haley said, I'm a fellow IO psychologist uh, background as, as both of you. Angela, you and I actually went to the same school, uh, different years. So super excited about that. Uh, been with Qualtrics now. Uh, March will actually be two years, and I can't believe it, it. It's really flown by. I started literally March 16th of the pandemic, right when it started. So it's been a, a really cool journey thus far. Um, in my role here at Qualtrics, you know, I partner with our solution strategy team. You know, with people such as Haley to really help you know um, HR leaders and their teams really help them design you know just a great employee experience program. So how they can utilize 
Qualtrics technology to be able to collect, you know, that sentiment of how their employees are feeling, but more than just, you know, collecting it, you know, analyzing it, but giving them those prescriptive actions so that they can take the right action and the most meaningful and impactful action to help improve whatever KPIs they might be looking to, like engagement, productivity, or even like lowering, you know, attrition as we're seeing a lot happening right now. Um, in addition, um, I also am a board member with the Chicago chapter of SHRM. Uh, I, I chair their retention committee. So, um, you know, really doing a lot of work with, with Chicago SHRM to really help them, you know, improve their overall member experience as well. So um, it's a little bit about me. Excited again to be back. Love it. Love it. Like I said, I'm just so excited for this conversation because, and we're going to talk, we're going to end this show with some really actionable steps to how you can start to address uh, some of the trends that we're seeing. And so I think, Ken, before I hand it off to Haley, who is our kind of uh, resident expert on the report that Qualtrics releases every year. And again, you know, Haley, you could tell us a little bit about kind of the, the background of who's at, you know, where's the data coming from, but because Qualtrics is this huge provider around employee experience and uh, human experience survey and data, they, there's all this benchmarking where you are kind of these, these, the keeper of this data that I think a lot of us just honestly, personally, you know, we're hearing so much about, you know, the, the state of hybrid working and flexible working, the state of DE&I and belonging and there's so many pieces of information. And the reason why I love having this conversation is that this is like, it takes it all back. It consolidates it. And it's like, these are the things that we're seeing and it's based in data and it's pulling together all these perhaps conflicting messages that you're hearing about the space. So Haley, tell us a little bit about the report and then give us a little bit of a feel of some of the things we're, some of the things that have kind of stuck from last year and then the, the things that are starting to emerge for next year. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the way that you just put that. This almost, I think this report is a good reminder of what maybe, or a potential of what a North Star can be kind of for the next year. We're, we're busy, we're all busy throughout the year. A lot of things on our plate, and it seems like there's something new that's coming all the time, but hopefully this helps consolidate some of the trends that we're seeing. So yeah, just to give a little bit of background on, on what the makeup of this report is. So every year at Qualtrics, we do um, a global experience trends report, specifically this one we're going to talk about, of course, is employee experience. Uh, we've got to survey about 14,000 people globally. So it's about 27 countries actually that are included here. Having a global sample is a big deal for us to make sure that it's representative to our global clients. Um, what we found is year over year, there's a, a few things that, that changed, a few things that stayed the same. Um, and a few, uh, uh, Frank and I will kind of talk about those four key trends that popped up. But interestingly, interestingly enough, we actually saw that engagement stayed fairly steady, but one of the bigger drops was with intent to stay. And that's one of the trends that we will actually talk about specifically is uh, the first one that kind of pops to the top um, is that we see that there's going to be probably an exodus of leaders and specifically actually women leaders are, are showing the lowest intent to stay year over year. Um, the second is, uh, I think something that we've all been thinking about a lot, um, is about our physical and digital workspaces. That's something that companies have probably not thought about quite so much as they have over the past couple of years. And we're seeing that as one of our key drivers for organizations to focus on to say, hey, we probably need to continue to figure out how to make people and how to help people be productive. 
that third one, just like you mentioned, Angela, is really around DEI, and uh, we we saw this, but we saw belonging um, come to the top of the list as the key driver for engagement last year, uh, which had, it had never been in the top drivers of engagement from our research, uh, but it was the top driver last year. And so this year, what we're seeing is employees are saying, "Hey, what progress have we made? We made some big commitments last year." So that's the third one. And then. Last but not least uh, is really around well-being and how we know that focusing on well-being is really critical to prevent the burnout um, that is inevitable if we don't make some key changes for our employees. Wow, yeah, so it sounds like DE9B has stuck around, isn't going anywhere, uh, and actually people are probably more uh the word I was going to use is relentless, but that's kind of a strong, intense word. But yeah. people are very firm on their commitment to accountability, employees specifically, and, and seeing that um, emulated in their employer, having a stance on something, following through actual next steps. And then it's so interesting because I think the um, women in leadership, well-being, physical workspace, like all those are kind of connected because I think we're you know, my perspective, you know, my humble opinion, uh, no data, just all the experiences in my head, is that I think the paradigm is shifting around what work is. And, mm -hmm. you know, typically women and people of color have uh, been in positions where, you know, the workplace wasn't quite built for them. And I think I feel that I, you know, I won't speak for anybody else. But I think now there's this awakening that, feelings of belonging are really important. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you don't really have a, you don't really have a, um, any wiggle room for kind of going back to the old ways of working. So, so anyway, Frank, I yeah. want to hear from you. Cause I know you're like, you're working with clients, you're seeing these things come through and the interactions you have in real time. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think, I think the first thing to keep in mind is overarching is that, you know, the trends don't, t I mean, it's a tough story, right, that we're hearing from these trends, right? These are four really important topics that are impacting essentially every, every piece of the employee experience. And someone, you know, looking through our trends report, you know, and reading through them and listening to us today, you know, may take a step back, like, I'm a little overwhelmed, what do I do type things. But, you know, if you think about it, we're two years into the pandemic. Um, people are really, you know, trying to adjust to this new normal, or, or again, as people talk about the future of work, and they're exhausted and burned out. So if you have that lens over the entire thing, you know, what we're going to do today is hopefully give you some of those action items so that you can say, you know, here are the things that we can kind of take some small chunks and start making some change. And I always, you know, go back to what our chief people officer says, you know, and she, I use this quote all the time, especially in my conversations. And, you know, she says the best organizations, you know, are those that are committed to listening and understanding rather than launching the perfect plan on day one. Um, and, and so what that tells me is that you don't have to have all the answers now. So as we go through these, but part of the, the big thing that we want people to keep in mind is that the communication and the expectations you set up to your people overall is really important. And that, you know, if you can commit to being an organization that's going to continue to listen, you know, your organization, the things you do are going to continue to iterate, but that your overall, you're going to continuously improve. And I think that's really important, you know, for your employees to hear that. Um, but you have to prove it to them. You have to show them that you're going to do that. And, and hopefully we'll be able to get that across to you and, and the rest of the listeners today about some of the ways they can do that. 
Yeah, you bring up a really good point, which is it's kind of like this vulnerable place to be as a as a leader or an employer. You know, I mean, usually it's individual leaders who are communicating this, right? It's not like the organization has a it's you know it's not like Wizard of Oz. There's this big head, you know, talking. It's like individual people talking to other people. So I think sometimes we talk about you know the organization has to communicate, but really it's just a a, a group of human beings who happen to be leaders of a company who are coming together and have to be a little vulnerable vulnerable to say you know what we don't have all the answers. We know we 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 have put ourselves out there to figure out where some of the gaps are. And we are committed to closing those gaps and we want your help and we, and we need you and we won't be able to do everything, but we will be able to do a lot of things. <laughs> so yeah. I think sometimes when we talk about like engagement surveys, and I know you all have moved away from the term engagement more around experience, which I think is the wave of where we're going, because like you said, intensive, it sounds like our original construct of engagement is even being blown up because I remember, you know, reading all, all the articles, it was always intent to stay like brand perception. Uh, you know, it was like these three things, these three constructs, right. That told that equaled engagement, but it's becoming so much more. So that's actually, before we move to the action items, Haley, do you feel like the definition of engagement has changed or are we just moving to experience? Like, I don't know if that question makes sense, but yeah, no, it is, a, it, it, is, it is a really good question. That's something that we talk with a lot of our clients about. And that's what we find is that um, just thinking about engagement alone is not enough. Uh, it's what we find is that a lot of people are still measuring engagement once a year. Maybe it's even less frequently than that. Maybe it's once every other year, once every three years. And what we know is that employees' needs uh, are, that's not going to get your employees' needs. You're not going to get the data that you need. Um, and that's why I think that adding in an intent to stay metric, adding in some, some metrics around experience or inclusion, um, we're starting to see some really good progress towards identifying gaps that we probably wouldn't have seen before. Um, the other part that I would say is um, that I think the best movement that we can make is really starting to apply um, some of those filters of analysis around the types of people that you have working. Um, that's where I think when we when we start to look at this first trend around leaders probably um, intending to turn over. Uh, we saw that at, a, at kind of a high level, if we just look at leader level, uh, we see that there has been a drop across all leader level, all leader levels, managers, leaders of leaders, and executives. But where we get the really key insight here, specifically about female leader of leaders, is when we actually start to apply kind of that intersectional view, we add in that additional data point um, of gender identity here. And so where we understand the, the gap becomes a lot bigger. Uh, there's a 21-point gap um, of intent to stay uh, from last year to this year with female leaders of leaders. Um, we know a little bit about why, um, and I think that's uh, part of where, of course, good data always comes in in understanding and asking questions that you might not have asked before, um, one of which actually, or a few of which um, I'm kind of taking here from the, the latest McKinsey report about women in the workplace. And what they found is that employees who had women managers were more likely to say that their manager has supported and helped them over the last year. Things like providing emotional support, checking in on their well-being, making sure that their workload is manageable. Those are hard behaviors to continuously exhibit. And they're exhausting. Uh, they're really exhausting behaviors if you're not provided some of that support. So it's no surprise to me that we are seeing this intent to stay drop. 
Wow. Yeah. It's uh, and and even even more interesting is the women leader of leaders. So, uh, Haley, what are your? Is there any data that tells us why it's specifically that group? Um, is it is it because, you know, you know, is there any anything that tells us why that might be happening with with that group? Yeah, it's a good question. I I don't know the exact answer, but I have a few ideas, and I think part of which is. Um, being a leader over the past couple of years has been a job that is harder than it's probably ever been before. Um, helping people navigate a global pandemic uh, was not probably part of people's original job description is my guess. Um, nobody was prepared for that. Uh, but at least I think at the frontline leader level, while that's not easy, you get some of that direct connection with your people. And my guess is being that one level removed and supporting leaders, those frontline leaders are burning out. Uh, because they're doing this this hard work, this emotional work. And so I think that that one level up is uh, they're supporting the leaders who are burning out probably at a faster rate even than frontline employees. Um, that's my guess. Um, I don't know that for sure. And we know what we can do about that. And Frank, I'm sure you have some thoughts around what you're seeing around this too. But you know, what we can do is make sure that leaders have some ideas of what resources are available, not only to them, but also to their employees. Um, we have to be providing some of those resources. We need to provide training on how to be more inclusive. That's something that a lot of leaders don't really know how to do in the workplace and are scared to do that. Um, but those are things that we know actually help and can make a little bit of an impact there. And and I would say, you know, Haley, just to add on, you know, it goes back to that whole notion of listening, right? Seeking to understand, seeking to to really listen to your leaders, understand, you know, what they're going through. And, and the data, the data is clear, you know, and Haley, you had mentioned some of this too, is, you know, they're, they're tasked with driving DE&I outcomes, which wasn't always on their plate originally, right? Over the past year and a half, it really came to the forefront, though it always should have been important, right? It always should have been there. We always should have been talking about it. It was kind of thrust to the spotlight. And, and now, you know, people are doing more with that. Um, and then even going back to the trend about employees feeling like they belong, right? That was the trend, the key driver of engagement from last year. You know, they are still tasked with trying to make sure all their employees feel like they belong. So that communication is coming down, you know, from the senior leadership and, and it's being, you know, cascaded down to everybody. And so they're, they're taking on more um, that they weren't used to taking on before. And I think the other thing to, to keep in mind, you know, I read this uh, actually about a week ago, but when the, the latest unemployment numbers came out, right? So if you think about, you know, there was a, a still a lot of women out of the workforce right now. And I think the number was uh, 1.5 million with a majority of them still being women of color. So now what you have is you have all of these people now that are already out of the workforce. You know, our, you know, work from home lives, you know, it, it's been blurred now. So, you know, you have caregiving responsibilities. Women tend to be more responsible or have more responsibility around that. Um, that sh is shifting slightly, but right now that is the case, right? And, and so when you think about these leaders of leaders now leaving, you know, it, it's really going to impact, you know, our diversity, you know, initiatives that we've done and, and all the work that people have done to try to get more women of color in leadership type roles and giving them opportunities. So now with these leaders, whether they're women of color or not, you know, are leaving, it just kind of sets us back from, from the diversity aspect to um, that, that's been such a hot topic, you know, overall. So I would recommend, you know, companies really, you know, leaning into these managers as you are leaning into your frontline managers as well. And it just, now is the time to really start listening to them, asking how they're doing, checking in with them regularly and making sure you're not overwhelming them with too much work because they already have a lot on their plate right now. Well, and that's actually, just to jump in real quick, that's a really great point, Frank, around we are 
really focused, a lot of companies that we talked to are really focused on the, the D part of DE and IB. So on the diversity part, they are increasing the uh, the diversity of their slates, of their hiring slates. Um, they're really focusing and they have maybe representation targets and goals. Those are great things. Those are really great things. But if we forget about the the I part, um, really the EIB part, I should say, um, we are not creating a better space for people to thrive um, and to stay. And we, we see that even in, in our trends as well, is that uh, for those employees who feel like uh, their company is really focusing on DEIB efforts, um, that they actually think that everybody can succeed to their full potential, we see about um, a huge gap in intent to stay with those people. Those people who say, I actually don't feel included, I don't feel like I belong, don't intend to stay more than six months. Uh, for those who do, they actually are more likely to say they'll stay for five years. I have a hard time believing that anybody would say they'd be willing to stay anywhere for five years these days. And so that shows the impact of actually focusing on creating a culture of inclusion and what the amazing impacts that can have for your employees. Yeah, and I think it goes back, Haley, to your point about um, inclusive leadership. Um, I was reading an article that was talking about like the most overlooked competencies for leaders. Like what I think what we're finding is there's this huge gap of like readiness around the skills that emerging leaders need to be successful in the future of work. And one of them was inclusive leadership. And I think, you know, inclusion as a whole is a buzzword. But, you know, I would jump to say that traditional paradigms in the workplace have not been inclusive, right? Like, um, you know, leadership getting together and making decisions without employee input um, hierarchy, you know, there are structures within our, our working, working system that just is not inclusive. So this is, this is deep work. This is not like, oh, we're going to have a training yeah. about inclusion. This is like making inclusive decisions. It's not just about the slates of people. It's talking about things like psychological safety and how do you become more transparent with information, which a lot of organizations are salaries, for example, I can't tell you, um, you know, how many times I hear companies say, we're not going to share the salary. It's like, well, why not? Is it just because you've been doing it that way? Um, so Frank, what what are your thoughts just on the, the inclusion part? So this gets into, and I'm going to shift into the physical workplace, but I think this hits on a few of the trends that we're seeing on the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, all I keep going back to thinking is, how important employee listening is in general. And and I I could give you 30 examples right now of, of how, you know, listening first and then taking action is really important. And, and my mind's kind of going to like a bunch of different places right now. But I would just say overarchingly, you know, I think, you know, whether it's any decision you're looking to make, and I'll just give you one recent one from Friday. I had a conversation with an old colleague and, and she was telling me how they're back in the office five days a week. I was shocked at first because I know the type of organization they are. They could absolutely be working remote and hybrid for sure. And I said, well, did you guys, you know, ask, you know, she goes, our CEO asked and we you know what people wanted. The evidence came back or the data came back. They wanted hybrid and they're five days in the office. I, I, I literally like put my head down and the zoom I was on and I, and I started laughing the kind of, you know, facetiously, I was like, I, was like, I, I don't want to say, her, I don't want to say your name. Yeah. I was like, that is like the number one thing not to do is to actually great that you asked for feedback. I love that. 
you know, because this organization wasn't known for really asking for a lot of feedback. So they asked for feedback and then they did the complete opposite of what the data said. Um, I said, that is like the cardinal sin. That's the number one rule of not to do. And so I just think, you know, if, if you want your employees to feel included, you know, you said the word transparency, right? It's amazing how much just communicating what you're doing and why you're doing can solve so many problems in an organization. I, I know I know there's a lot of things you need to do, but that is just like the start. And I'll give just one other quick example. You know, we had, you know, our leader of leaders come into our office, you know, who's doing kind of like a tour of visiting offices. And he came in and I thought it was really cool. We had a really great session where he wanted to get to know some new employees and the topic of, you know, remote work versus hybrid work came up. And he says, you know, we don't have the answer. We don't know what it's gonna look like, um, but we're gonna communicate, we're gonna keep asking. Um, but he goes, as of right now, we don't have a date. It's okay. Keep doing what you're doing. If you want to come in the office, we have safety protocols. If you want to be at home and do your best work, continue doing it. And I really appreciate that because I, I had never met him in person, only met him on Zooms. But I could really feel that he was being authentic. And he was really saying, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do the best thing that we can, but we're going to listen to you. We're going to listen to our employees. And then we're going to make the best decision we can. Um, and, and if you have any concerns, tell us. We want to hear them. And, and really, I know it sounds really easy, but there's a lot of organizations that just don't have that type of leadership coming down or have that openness to that. And I just think it's just in, in today's day and age, and, and I, I talked to a lot of people about this, it's just so important to be able to have you know an environment and a culture where you're at least going to listen. And then if you're not going to do what, they ask, what the feedback is, then tell them why. Give them the reasons why. And then, um, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there. But uh, I get really <laughs> passionate and excited about it because I think it's just so important. It really is. Well, that's the key, right? Like, I, I think a lot of times leaders are hesitant to, you know, over-survey or give out a bunch of surveys. But um, really, I think it comes down to ego a little bit, which is like, okay, if we send a survey out, we actually have to do something with it. Yes, you do. And you don't have to, you don't have to, execute on every single idea that comes out of it. You, you, you're strategic. You look at the trends. You understand what different experiences are like. You know, Haley mentioned breaking out by demographics, seeing if there's gaps or if there's differences in experiences. Um, and so I want to go to, because we were already kind of going down that path of hybrid work and flexible work and physical work design. So Haley, what are we seeing with that trend specifically? What were some of the things that stood out to you? Yeah, so a big thing that we found, and this is probably no surprise, is that about 35% of people say that they're more likely to look for a new job if they're forced to work in an office full time. Um, and that is that is a big if there. And so what that I think stat says, and it's probably um, even underrated just a bit because these people are just anticipating a policy. Um, what I will be very interested in is if we will continue, of course, to ask some of these questions in next years after policies have been put in place and people are asked to come back into an office five days a week, um, we will likely see uh, some pretty significant turnover um, is, is my guess. And that's what we know. We, at least we know hard data, 35% of the people are saying that they're likely to, likely to leave. We also saw in August, and now this is you know a few months ago, but we saw the highest rate of people leaving their jobs than we have in 20 years. And they're not just going other places. Some people are actually just leaving the workforce. Uh, because they're they're done with with corporate America, um, they're done with um, maybe working for somebody else, and with some of those expectations of being in the office five days a week. The other piece that we see, and I think this is an interesting interesting insight, especially as it relates to technology. We know that we've been relying on technology a lot more heavily than we have uh, maybe a couple years ago to be connected and productive. 
in our jobs, especially for those of us who will continue with this flexible work environment. And what we see is a huge impact. And this data surprised me even. We actually don't see a gap usually quite this big, um, which I think speaks to the impact that technology has and probably that we need to continue asking about it, is the impact of what we call uh, workspaces or technology that allow people to be productive. And so what people are saying for one is that if they have productivity enabling technology, we see about a 91% engagement rate with those people. The inverse of that, so those who say they don't have productivity enabling technology, we only see about a 24% engagement rate. Mm -hmm. That is so, so low. And we know that engagement is linked to intent to stay, which is linked to actual turnover. Similarly, though, we have a number of clients. Uh, Frank and I are based in the Midwest. Angela, you are as well. So I talked to a lot of clients who are maybe in the manufacturing environment, maybe in healthcare. Um, maybe that's not quite as applicable to them. So we actually asked about physical workspace as well, because, of course, we don't want to forget about that. And what we found, and again, this, this stat just blows my mind, is that for those employees who feel that their physical workspace allows them to be productive, we see about a 92% engagement rate and a 93% intent to stay. For those people who don't feel that their physical workspace allows them to be productive, we see only a 23% engagement rate and a 16% intent to stay. Yeah. I have never seen that stat quite, probably quite that low, um, but we see that this is so important to employees. And again, probably something that we haven't dug into a lot from a listening perspective. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, what I hear just quite simply is, you know, if get out of my way. <laughs> if there are barriers to me doing my best work, that's a huge disengager for, you know, a disengager. Yeah. If that's a word, but if it is a word, no, it is. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that's huge. It's it's really about making sure the physical space, but also the, the technology, which is kind of becoming like an alternate space, right? Like it's like your asynchronous collaborative space, but then your physical space and how you're using that. Are you seeing, because I'm just, I'm really, and this might, it might be too early for the, this data or Qualtrics report may not have revealed any of this, but are you seeing any differences around engagement or pro productivity uh, with people working remotely versus in the office? Is any of that data coming to light um, within the report or no? We did originally when, when we shifted. So last year when we shifted to that, um, that work from home piece that a lot of us who, in a lot of our organizations that we work with, who even their corporate population had actually never worked from home, at least on a regular basis, that was a pretty new muscle for them. We did see engagement rates actually increase there for a bit uh, because it allowed people to, to maybe not commute for the first mm -hmm. time ever. They got to spend some more time with their kids. Um, they got to do some things that they've had to sacrifice for a while. Um, what we have seen is that there are some people who still do want to go back into the office. I don't want to make it seem that, that nobody wants to go back into the office, but what we find is that people don't enjoy the workspace that they're, that they're, uh, that is designed right now, the office as it currently exists. Um, I've, I've been able to be maybe in my home where, um, I have snacks and coffee and everything is right at my fingertips. I don't have to sit in a cube. Um, I was talking to a client uh, is probably a couple months ago, and he said, Haley, we designed our workspace. We invested heavily in our office space in 2019, but we did that with 2019 work in mind, and we're about to come back to, and now it'll be, you know, 2022 work most likely, but he said, we didn't, we didn't come back or we're not 
we don't know what to do for 2021 work, 2022 work. This is a very different world. And I said, yeah, it is. It's going to be really different. And what we've seen is that the clients who chose this as a moment to ask for feedback and to actually adapt are seeing some more engagement rates kind of go up there because they're actually asking for feedback in those moments. Frank, what about you? Have you seen any um, just uh, application of this with some of the clients you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously with the example I gave with my old colleague, you know, where, where they're back in the office now and, and she's like, you know what I can do, I can be just as productive at home as I am when I'm in the office. And I think the big thing too, when we think about these different workspaces is that, you know, people still want the choice to be able to have an office they can go into, right? So where they can socialize, because a lot of people, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know, maybe you feed off being around people, but you just don't need, don't need to be around people five days a week, right? And so they want to be able to have that home base where they can go into, they can strategize, they can collaborate, they can kind of change their routine up a little bit. And, and this is coming from someone who has a three hour round trip commute, right? So I did that for years and years and years. And so I'm getting 15 hours a week back. I mean, I, I gave this example over the summer with some friends is I saw like every one of my daughter's softball games. I never, I've never been able to do that. So, so the other factor to keep in mind is that, you know, though people could be more productive, they're valuing different things in their life. So they're having this time to give back um, and having the flexibility maybe to work out in the morning now where they couldn't do that before because they had to run to a train or whatever it might be. They're saving money, maybe not buying lunches when they're at the office. They're saving you know, money on train pass. I mean, so there's a lot of things to think about to where, you know, if, where I just don't envision it going back five days a week in the office. If, you're, if your organization or your industry can afford that though, right? You know, if they're, if they're in a type of industry where they don't need people physically in the office. And so I think it's gonna be really interesting, but I think again, going back to depending on what your plan is, to listen to your employees, see what they want to do. Um, we did that here at Qualtrics. We did a, actually a pretty in-depth survey, you know, uh, about you know, how we felt about coming back into the office, what do we need to feel comfortable coming back in the office? But I think one of the kind of the key things that, that we really looked at too was around intent to stay, where we are asking questions about, you know, if we couldn't give you three days a week at home or four days, what is your likelihood of leaving? And so, so that gave Qualtrics obviously a lot of data to say, you know, if we did four days a week in the office, we might lose 40% of our staff. You know, and, and can we function as an organization? And, and that's just our example, but that just kind of goes to show you the, how important it is to listen because that data you can you can extract from that it can it can really be the thing that shapes what you do um, and again you don't want to lose talent right now I mean it's not a good time to lose talent you're already losing it um, and so it's something as simple as listening and, and making some simple changes and to say wow we heard you you guys really want to be hybrid let's do it you know something like that because I would say the last thing I'd say on this is so many companies I've talked to had great results last year, right? They were performing. We're seeing record numbers, you yeah. know, you know, from certain organizations. And even the example I gave you with the woman I talked to, she said we had our best year last year, yeah. and they were remote, right? So, so again, it's just really getting to the, the really the main reason why you want to come in the office or not, and and the company just needs to really communicate if they're going to bring you back. Why are they bringing you back? You know, and and if, and but again, it goes back to listening. If you just listen, see what your employees want. It can help so many other things from engagement, intent to stay, et cetera. Yeah. Well, and inclusion as well. I mean, of course, I think to tie it back to inclusion, what we saw is that um, while I don't want to call something a benefit of the pandemic, but something that we adjusted to or had to adjust to is essentially evening the playing field for access. Um, everybody was able to access from 
um, uh, just people in a, in a better way. And um, maybe they, if they needed accommodations and their home was set up for that um, better than their workplace, they were able to work better. Uh, we saw that having that access was actually really amazing from an inclusion perspective. And that coming back to work, we actually had a client who decided to actually do some listening as they were transitioning back to work. And they were seeing some decreases in satisfaction as some of their employees were choosing to go back into the office. It wasn't a mandatory thing. It was you know, kind of on an as needed. And when they dug in a little bit more, what they discovered is that the employees who were remote were having a hard time in meetings, seeing the whiteboard in meeting rooms. And the people in the room were able, were able to obviously see it. They were, they were part of it. But the people who were remote were saying, I don't feel like I'm part of this meeting. I don't feel like I can contribute to this because I, I can't see this. And so what they decided to do is they're investing in technology that allows for better collaborative meeting spaces for both in-person and remote people. Because the last thing that we want to do is exclude people who might not be able to come into the office as much as people who can. Um, whether that is from um, just a, a commuting perspective, whether that's a caregiving perspective, whatever it is, we, we don't want to take that accessibility away but the other thing, and I think we probably, Angela, both saw it on Frank's face, is I love that he just talked about getting 15 hours a week back and not missing a single softball game. And that really kind of ties into that fourth trend of well-being, that um, if we are forcing people to go into the office, um, and that's just one aspect of well-being, that's not you know all of the aspects of well-being, but we're seeing this, this increase of if we actually start to think of people like full humans and not just employees, you know, who have lives and have things that they're interested in, if we start to actually consider their well-being, um, we're going to we're gonna see some amazing results. But of course, the flip side of that is if we don't, um, we'll see burnout. That's pretty close to coming if it hasn't already arrived for a lot of people. Um, and we, we see that, I mean, Frank is excited. I've, I have not been on a meeting where Frank is not excited to be there. And I well, I can't say that's directly tied back to spending more time with your family. I love getting to see those things that you talk about and that I get to see your kids maybe come on to your Zoom call and it's fun. Well, maybe that's um, a little more distracting for you. I love it. <laughs> and it's cool to see those things kind of all tie in together. Yeah, I, I think these trends are so interconnected. I, I almost have a hard time like you know, separating them out and saying, you know, focus on this yeah. versus that because they are interconnected. I think, you know, uh, uh, women leaders, uh, inclusion, well-being, uh, physical space, like all of that ties back to the whole human. And it's, again, changing paradigms around what work is, what professionalism is, uh, how work gets done well. And so, just to kind of tie the bow on this great conversation, because I, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing your perspectives. You all are wicked smart and, you know, are seeing this data in real time. So it's it's so cool to to, to listen to and to contribute to. Um, so what are, just to wrap the bow, because I'm sure people are listening to this and saying, okay, what, what do I do about it? I think we've heard loud and clear that listening is important. But what are some action items that people can take away and, and start to think about implementing in 2022? What it is, is, you know, and I talk to so many people where they're like, oh, survey fatigue, survey fatigue. But again, the reality is, is if you're asking 
and asking the right questions and asking about the right topics, like you said, Haley, but then communicating it and, and taking action. You're gonna create a culture and, and an organization where people want to continuously give you feedback. Again, and Qualtrics, obviously you can imagine, we're an experience management company. We do tons of feedback. But again, I wanna give that feedback because I know that they've proven that they're gonna take action on it. And if they don't, I can ask them about it, right? And say, hey, what, what, what happened when you asked me about this? What are we doing? And then they're transparent. You know. We're not the best at everything, obviously, when it comes to listening, but it just goes to show you that if you create that culture of listening, your employees won't get fatigued because you're going to ask the right things and you're going to take action. And then it's also not necessarily about asking more, right? And Haley said, you know, some companies, you know, went gangbusters and they really started asking about everything, right? Um, and that's okay. But now as we kind of head into 2022, it's about getting sharper, you know, right? And it's not about listening more. It's about listening in the right ways, Um and then again, obviously taking that action. But some other things that I would think about, you know, as we as we transition to 2022, a lot of talk about the great resignation. There's a lot of talk about just hiring, not losing people. But we're gonna start seeing that hiring handbook really change. And we've already kind of seen that shift too. And you know, one of the things that that some of our other XM scientists had talked about was, you know, that we're gonna see people who took breaks. Right, they got tired of corporate America. They they just needed a mental break. Maybe they had childcare responsibilities, and their their kids were home from school, so they had to stop working for some reason or another. And and you know, in the past, people would look at those gaps on resumes and think like, okay, what was that person doing? What was wrong? Maybe they couldn't get hired. But these are like intentional breaks that people you know are are taking, and I think it's important to incorporate those into the conversations that you're having with candidates. Um, and then also, you know, when we think about that hiring playbook and we're seeing this a lot more now and i had a friend who you know was entering for a new job and and he had told the recruiter i need 100 percent remote right that's what i'm looking for he said about 44 out of five days he'd love to be remote she said absolutely we, we are in an organization that's going to be remote then he had an interview with the hiring manager and the hiring manager was saying you know we really haven't settled on where we're going to be yet from a remote standpoint so there's a big disconnect right and so this candidate experience you know plays a really critical role in terms of top talent wanting to join your organization versus not wanting to join your organization and we can go into a lot of other kpis around that but the key is most organizations aren't capturing feedback throughout that hiring process and so you don't know how your recruiters are performing. You don't know how your frontline managers are doing. And these are things that could be happening in your recruitment life cycle that could be getting those or causing those top you know, key talent to not wanna join your organization. And because you don't have that feedback and you're not asking, you have no idea. Yeah, no, those, those were some great, great kind of uh, wrap up actionable pieces. I think, um, you know, these trends are, coming together with lots of data points. And I think there are things that we can, I think Frankie said sharpen or, you know, really get um, minute on where we start to focus our, our attention. And so I just want to thank you both so much for taking the time. Uh, I'm, I'm always, always appreciative of, of your, your thoughts. And, you know, this report that comes out is just so insightful. Um, we will make sure to include uh, the link to Qualtrics, the report, um, so you can sign up to view it. And then, uh, you know, I know Haley and Frank are always open for questions, so we'll make sure to, uh, when we market this episode, uh, you know, tell them where to find you on LinkedIn. So thank you both so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Humanly Possible Future of Work Conversations podcast. We're so grateful that you're here and support from our listeners like you means the world and it ensures that we can continue to bring you timely topics and influential guests. If you're interested in supporting the podcast further, please subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a review. Keep changing the world and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers.